So this, this morning I want to kick off a, a new series of talks for the first part of the autumn called Doing What Jesus Did. And just to recap on the context in which this sits. So about a year ago, uh, we kicked off a series called Practicing the Way of Jesus. And this was inspired by a guy called John Mark Comer. Um, He'd spoken at the Vineyard National Leaders Conference, which Tara and I attended in January 2020, and I really loved how he helped me think about discipleship, Um, because before that, discipleship just felt a little bit complicated, and I knew it was important. We, we read a lot in scriptures about Jesus' disciples, and we're called not only to believe in Jesus, but to be his disciples, to be his followers, and we're commissioned to make disciples. But I kind of struggled just to have a framework um, to think and articulate what being a disciple of Jesus really meant. And John Mark's language about a disciple being an apprentice just really made sense to me, because Jesus is the rabbi or the teacher— And we are the Talmudim, or the disciples, the followers, the learners, the apprentices. And I liked the way John Mark just made it simple. Um, Discipleship, he said, is really just about three things. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did. So let's just do a quick refresher um, on what these things would have meant back in Jesus' time. So first, being with the rabbi, that was literal. So um, way back in the first century, um, when, a, when a rabbi said, follow me, they would literally follow them everywhere. That wasn't a figure of speech for Jesus. Um, his disciples, his followers would, would just be with him 24-7, go everywhere he went. They would leave their job and their family just to, to, to be with him. John Mark Comer actually said in, in, in that first century time, there was a popular blessing that said, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And if you imagine those first century dusty Palestinian roads, if you were lucky, at the end of the day, you would be covered in the dust of your rabbi because you would have got to follow him everywhere. And that wasn't for everyone, actually. It was only the select few were invited to do that. So first thing, a Talmud needed to be with the rabbi. Second thing was to become like the rabbi. A Talmud's goal was to become the carbon copy of their rabbi. They copied every move, they copied mannerisms, they copied dress, um, but more importantly, they wanted to take on their rabbi's values, his character, his way of working, his vision. And we live in such an individualistic society, don't we, that that just seems crazy. When I think of my boys, you know, do they want to be like their teachers at school? No way, not at all. Um, but that was the goal of a Talmud. They, they wanted to be like their rabbi. And then the third thing was to do what their rabbi did. The hope of every Talmud was that their rabbi would eventually, after maybe many years, say, your turn, you're ready, go and make disciples, go and do what I did, go and become a rabbi. And that was actually one of the reasons rabbis were quite careful about who they recruited, because they needed to know that their Talmudim, their followers, had the potential, had the capability to do what they did. So, Refresher history lesson over. Let's come back to Three Counties area in 2021. How does this relate to us now? Well, the invitation of Jesus is an invitation to discipleship. He doesn't invite us to become a churchgoer. 
He doesn't invite us to become religious, thank God for that, or even just to become a Christian. His invitation is to believe in him and to follow him. And following Jesus isn't just about clicking that button on his Instagram feed or YouTube or Facebook and and following him. Um, It's not just believing he exists. It's not just joining a club on a Sunday morning that you occasionally go to. It's not even just inviting him in when you have a problem to help you out like some celestial sort of helpline. It's to become his Talmud, his apprentice, his follower. And it's a whole life commitment. So what does it mean to apprentice yourself under Jesus? Well, as I've said, it just means that you orient your entire life around those same three goals. To be with Jesus to become like him, and to do what he did. So first, to be with Jesus. You might say that was easy for the disciples way back then. They had Jesus right there. They could actually physically follow him. We can't literally be covered by the dust of our rabbi. So how can we be with Jesus? Well, John Mark Comer explains that the first and primary goal of apprenticeship to Jesus is learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. So we do that through the Holy Spirit. That's what it's all about. And we spent some time at the beginning of the year exploring what being with Jesus looks like. And we saw that Jesus utilized and modeled for us a number of practices that can help us. Just in the same way as training helps an athlete, um, these practices can help us build our capacity uh, to be with Jesus. And we looked at the practice of silence and solitude, of Sabbath, of fasting. And if you want to check out any of those talks, they're available on our YouTube and Facebook channels, as well as in podcast format. Just search for Three Counties Church Media. But these are time-tested ways modeled by Jesus for us to abide in the vine. Rue mentioned that's from John 15, that, that image of being connected to Jesus, for us to present ourselves before God, to actively come into his presence. And how do we do this? Well, it's through teaching, through understanding what God's saying, and through the practices that I just mentioned. In community, we do it together with others and with the help of the Holy Spirit over time. So that's being with Jesus. Second one, uh, second goal, becoming like Jesus, um, sometimes referred to as sanctification or, or spiritual formation. And what's that all about? Well, Dallas uh, Willard says, it's the process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. Robert Mulholland, a professor of theology, says it's the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. The experience of being shaped by God toward wholeness. And earlier this year, uh, we explored what becoming like Jesus looks like. And again, we looked at the practices from the life of Jesus himself. We covered things like grace, forgiveness, reconciliation, prayer, community, obedience, compassion. Again, you can check out those talks online. But if you want a summary, just go to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 Have a read of it and note that it's not just about behavior, actually. Jesus is mostly talking about attitudes and heart. He's not about behavior modification. He wants to transform you and I from the inside out. 
And again, how do we do it? Through teaching and practice in community and with the help of the Holy Spirit. So on to the third goal, to do what Jesus did. That's what I want to introduce this morning. And as I highlighted earlier, the goal of the Talmudim is to do what their rabbi does. So our goal is to do what Jesus did. He lived his life as a pattern for us. He modeled a new way of being human, a way for us to imitate. And as we're going uh, to join the Vineyard Movement, I thought we should hear from John Wimber. Um, He was one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement and hear what he has to say on this. Uh, So, Nathan, just before you roll the video, uh, just a couple of caveats. First, you've got to understand that John is American and Californian, to be specific. So, And then, secondly, it was filmed in the 80s. So, uh, culture and quality. Just, just give it those caveats. Um, okay, let's roll the video. As I read the New Testament, I fell in love with Jesus. Didn't you? I liked him. I liked what he was like. I liked the things he did. I liked the things he said. Didn't you like those things? I thought that stuff was hot. I liked it when he multiplied the bread. Do you like that one? Huh? How about it? You like that? And the fishes, you know, the sardines. I always picture sardines. I like that stuff. I like all that stuff, you know? I liked it when he went by the fig tree and said, hmm, you know? And it died. Can you picture him doing that? I like all that stuff. I like it. I remember last night, comfort. That's a biggie, you know? I mean, that's hot. There's not many guys doing that comfort thing. You know, telling anybody to come up from the dead. I liked all that stuff. And when I became a Christian, I thought that's what I was going to do. I spent several weeks reading the New Testament and talking with these people. And I thought, this is great. You know, I'm going to join up. I want to do this stuff. And so I remember the frustration of attending church the first few times. You know what I thought they did at church? Now, this is how stupid I was. I thought you, that people gathered at the church, had a good time together, sort of divvied up the land, and everybody went out and healed a few, and cast out a few demons, and won a few people to Christ before lunch. And so, the first few times I went to church, I went prepared with the idea that we're going to, you know, ha, I'm going to take Anaheim. I want to go to Anaheim, you know, the deepest, darkest pagan Anaheim. Over there by Disneyland, that's where I want to go, because that's where I was raised. And when they didn't do it, I was disappointed. And I remember one day asking a guy about it. I said, when do we go out and do it? He said, what? I said, when do we go out and do it? He says, oh, you don't have to do it. You just have to believe it was done once. Now that's pathetic. Isn't it? I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it. We sang about it. We preached about it. We prayed over it. We gave to it. But we never did it. We never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now, you know, when I worked for the devil, he let me do his stuff. Did he let you do his stuff? He let me do his stuff. But when I came to work for Jesus, they didn't want to let me do his stuff. And I, to tell you the truth, I joined up to do the stuff. Did you? You see, it's doing the stuff 
that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once. It's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book and acting on it. And I figure it might as well be us. We're qualified. We can read and write, most of us. And we understand that it can be done. Brilliant. We want to be a church that does the stuff, don't we? Um, we don't just want to read about it or sing about it or pray about it. We actually want to be obedient disciples and do it. Let's read from Scripture now, actually, if we can uh, go back to the PowerPoint. Um, just, just two passages I want to read. Matthew 4, verse 18, to begin with. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into a lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, and the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. And then if we skip on towards the end, or right at the end of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So our two passages this morning are from the opposite ends of Jesus' ministry. The first passage is right at the beginning. Jesus calling a bunch of young men to follow him, to be his Talmudim, to be his disciples. And they then spent the next three years with Jesus 24-7, watching, listening, and learning becoming like Jesus, their characters being formed into his image and beginning to do what he did. And it seemed to me that Jesus followed what we today would say is a good apprentice model. So the first stage is I do, you watch. You know, Jesus did the doing, his disciples watched, he taught and they watched. He did some miracles, he healed some people, they watched. And then the second stage is you do, I help. The story of the uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000, the disciples find the boy with the fish and the loaves. They got people to sit down, they helped out, and Jesus did it. Then, actually, Jesus sent them out. 
to go and to do what he did. And they, he brought them back and they discussed it. And, um, you know, Jesus helped out with some of the difficult ones. There was, you know, a demon-possessed person they prayed for and it didn't kind of work. And Jesus talked them through um, that situation. And then the fourth stage, you do, I watch. That's just what we've read, isn't it? The Great Commission. Jesus sent the disciples out to do what he did, to make disciples, to teach And he's still going to be with them through the Holy Spirit to the very end of the age. And this is God's call to us as well. So what did Jesus do? Well, here's just a few examples. Preaching the gospel, healing, teaching the sick. Sorry, teaching the way, healing the sick, casting out demons, working for justice, praying, eating and drinking with people far from God. And if you're an apprentice to Jesus, you aim to do everything that Jesus did, not necessarily on day one or year one, but over time to learn to do what he did. So over the next four weeks, we're going to explore just a few of the ways that we can do this stuff. We'll be looking at working for justice next week and then bringing hope, the good news, teaching the way, eating and drinking and hospitality. And our goal is to become people who continue the work of Jesus. So please don't get overwhelmed. Um, That doesn't mean everybody has to do everything uh, suddenly uh, all the time or on day one. Uh, Sometimes individuals will have a calling and a gifting to one or two areas. Rose is going to be sharing next week how she feels particularly called to work for justice. But we can also operate in other areas just when we see the need. So if Roe comes across somebody who's sick, she still prays for them and she still invites people over for dinner who, uh, who don't know Jesus. When we see the need, we can respond as Jesus would have us respond. We can take risks and go for it. Does that sound all right? Good? Oh, all still awake. So before I finish, I just want to ask the question, or us all to ask the question, what is God saying to me in this moment. And as, as I was preparing this talk, I just felt the gentle prompt of the Holy Spirit to dwell on the call to discipleship. Perhaps you've noticed your faith cooling a little bit. Maybe it's not stone cold, but it might have just got a bit lukewarm. And you're still going through some of the motions, but they feel empty and hollow. And you just wonder if it's worth going to church or maybe does Christianity really work for you anymore? Or perhaps actually, you know, as we've come out of lockdown, um, things are getting a bit busy and other things are starting to crowd out Jesus and spending time with him. If that's you, maybe Jesus' whisper this morning is simple. Come, follow me. Listen to his words from Mark 8. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Jesus' call this morning isn't, sadly, to a life of ease and prosperity. It's actually to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him because following Jesus simply doesn't work as a hobby. If it's just another thing you do, if it's an add-on to your life, that is a one-way ticket to frustration and dissatisfaction. Following Jesus is an all-or-nothing thing. It makes the most sense when it's the whole point of your life, when your whole life is formed and shaped around it. 
So what does denying yourself look like? I was going to go into this. This was a poem I, I came across decades ago, but we're running out of time. So I'll maybe put it on the, the um, family page or uh, on, on Facebook and we can explore it later. But just in this passage, notice the literary device that Jesus uses. There's two groups of people. There's the crowd and his disciples. The crowd, those who'd heard Jesus but actually hadn't committed to follow him to be his disciples yet. And the disciples weren't just the 12, actually there was the 72, and we think probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of people who were following Jesus um, across the country, male and female. And Jesus' invitation to the crowd was to become his disciples. People who deny themselves and follow him daily. And that is his invitation, his invitation to you, to each of us this morning. Dallas Willard says, the greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who are identified as Christians will become disciples. Students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of heaven into every corner of human existence. So how do we do this stuff? That Jesus did? Well, that's a great question for you to discuss in your small group. If you're not in a small group, actually, we'd love you to connect with one. If you're on Church Suite, you can log in and see what groups are going. We'll be updating those um, over the next week or so, but some of them are already uh, on there. Um, Or if not, just email the office. If we can show the office email address online um, or or email Dick Durant and let us know what day suits you. We'll do our best to connect you up with an appropriate group. There isn't one easy answer to the question of how we do what Jesus did. Uh, We've all got to listen to God's voice to us uh, on this. And it comes from being with Jesus. It comes from hearing his voice in scriptures and directly through us, uh, to us through the Holy Spirit and and testing it in community, like with our small groups and those we love, um, those we trust who love and follow Jesus. But just here's a few suggestions for this morning. First, Meditate on the command to love your neighbor as yourself. What does this mean for you who is your neighbor? What would it mean to love them? What does an act of love look like this week? Second suggestion, have a meal with somebody who's far from Jesus. Pray about who, pray for them before the meal and watch where the conversation goes. You don't need to force a conversation about spiritual things, but don't hold back either. Um, Dave Pavey is uh, the children's leader at Causeway Coast Vineyard and he was sharing how he got this robotic vacuum cleaner that he was really excited about. And he thought it was great, it was saving lots of time, he was telling everybody about it. And then he realised he was more excited about his vacuum cleaner than about Jesus. And he was more vocal about his vacuum cleaner than than he was about his faith. And sometimes I wonder why, why are we happy to force information about a vacuum cleaner on our friends but we're reluctant to share with them what Jesus means to us. So have a meal with somebody far from Jesus. And third suggestion is watch out for God's interruptions. I like efficiency. My day job is helping companies become more efficient. And uh, interruptions are often a challenge for me. But I've learned to um, that sometimes, maybe even often, interruptions are from the Lord. So watch out for interruptions this week, particularly from people in relationships. You might want to ask, could God be in this and see where it goes? 
So I'm going to be asked the band to come up and they'll just, just pray as they do. Lord Jesus, thank you that you invite us to do what you did. Thank you for that privilege of joining in your work. And Lord, as a church, we want to say we don't just want to be people who talk about it and learn about it and sing about it or pray about it only. We want to be a church that does the stuff, that does what you did. So Lord, would you take us from here to live and work to your praise and to your glory. To do the things that you did. To share the gospel. To see people set free. To see people healed. To see people that are oppressed. Uh, just uh, have their lives turned around. And to see people come to know and love you. Would you walk with us, we pray. Amen.